This episode is sponsored by Nero. Do you ever constantly feel like you're falling behind and can never catch up and the stress and anxiety are taking over? Are you used to being productive and efficient, but lately you've been feeling sluggish and unable to stay focused for more than a few minutes at a time? Looking for an alternate choice to cut back on those energy drinks and giant cups of coffee? Then we've got the choice for you. Try Neuro. Neuro is a brand of gum and mints used to energize, calm, and focus whenever you need it. Neuro was developed by former athletes training at the highest level who didn't want to take mysterious supplements or energy drinks when studying, training, or going out. Instead of something sugary and ineffective, they wanted to create clean, balanced energy that could be taken anywhere, anytime. With thoughtfully curated ingredients and endless lab testing, means that you can reach the right state of mind safely and consistently. Get that clean burst of energy and focus without the effects of coffee or energy drinks. It's a smart way to fuel body and mind. Stay in the zone, avoid the jitters, and crashing. Our listeners will get an automatic discount of up to 20% off on any gum or mint products using our link, tryneurogum.com potential. That's try. N-E-U-R-O gum dot com slash potential. Once again, that's trynerogum.com slash potential. Order now. Get that clean burst of energy and focus. And remember, know your potential. Reviewing the latest in movies, TV series, video games, books, and more. This is Potential Picks. Hello and welcome back to another edition of Potential Picks. I'm Chris Dewar. I'm joined by my co-host and fellow member of the Continental, Taylor Sokol. Today we're reviewing the crime action drama TV miniseries, The Continental, from the world of John Wick, or simply The Continental. Uh, this is, of course, based on John Wick by Derek Holstead and developed by Greg Coolidge, Kirk Ward, and Sean Simmons. So we saw that Peacock was developing this prequel series uh, set in the world of John Wick to be based around the Continental. Uh, definitely was curious to see how this was going to play out. I mean, the John Wick series has been one of our favorites, and it's one of those that's like it keeps getting better with age. It's like Mission Impossible. It's like how do the movies keep getting better and bolder? Um, but that world is so thrilling. And one thing that was always a standout for that, that kind of stood out from other action films is, although the action scenes are fantastic, the choreography is amazing. It was the lore. It was the world building, this this building, this continental, this home for these assassins and killers, and that there was a code and there was a conduct. How did that come to be? You know, Was it always like that? And there's a lot of room to kind of play with that mythos of, you know, there is a continental building in almost every country or, you know, different countries have, you know, so we've seen in the films, you know, different versions of that. So this one was going to be mostly based in the New York one. But uh, we were curious to check this out. This was a three episode miniseries. Each episode ranged from about an hour 20 to the finale one, which was about an hour 35. So all in all, it's kind of like a little over a four-hour movie, if you will. Um, so, Taylor, 
What is a brief synopsis of The Continental from the world of John Wick? So this tells the background story of Winston Scott, played who was played by Ian McShane uh, in the John Wick films, as, in an alternate 1970s history where he, how he comes into his position as the proprietor of the New York branch, the Continental chain of hotels, which is a safe haven for these legal assassins on grounds which no business may ever take place is the kind of the neutral territory. So it kind of explores that, um, how he comes into power, the America mafia and, and all this kind of time that happened. And some of our other characters like Charo, uh, who was played by the late great Lance uh, uh, Reddick um, in the previous movies. So yeah, I was really, um, I was excited, but also kind of nervous. I think what made the John Wick films, as you said, so great is because it world builds, but it, it does it in a way that doesn't give you too much, but it gives you enough breadcrumbs. Like each movie, I'm like, oh, there's this, oh, there's that. I want to know more about that. So I think it was only natural. Let's do something where we don't necessarily need John Wick as the main character. There's so many characters, there's so much history. Let's check that out. So right off the bat, having it a miniseries is very smart. You know, you get these three like short movies. Um, I thought the casting was very well done. Uh, one thing that really stood out to me was my favorite is the soundtrack. Uh, this has got a great blend of that 1970s music. I mean, you get like when they played Baker street, Gary Rafferty, I was like, Oh man, like the hair in that sax. So I really enjoyed the music choices. Um, and I love that they kept with the John wick level of, uh, violence not like to glorify violence but it was the choreography it, it it did feel like you're in a john wilk universe and i think that's that was the point that they went across pretty well um but i think i think how they kind of set it up it was kind of smart like although the characters you're gonna go let's go with someone who's been in all the films so having them do a winston scott it was interesting to see like how did this guy come to power how did he become this you know guy like where did he come from which i think was a, a interesting take yeah because the way that the John Wick films play out, you're like, oh, this guy really runs the town. He has this very kind of high life attitude and the content of the looks really clean and it looks, the whole area looks really nice. And like, you know, there's such a prestige to it. Now we're in the seventies and York is New York in the seventies. It's dirty. It's grimy. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's, you know, there's a lot of chaos going on and we have this whole kind of opening scene where we have um, this guy who seems to be stealing something during a big party scene. And clearly that was a big no, no. And he's chased down and we have a great, I mean, first action scene really within the first 10 minutes of like going down the staircase and escaping some great, awesome action. We found out his brother Frankie had uh, stolen this coin press from our main big bed, Mel Gibson, uh, who plays Cormac O'Connor, who's the current uh, leader of the Continental. And so that's kind of, I thought it was a great setup because the coin press too is this whole thing where we've always loved the Continental, again, with the lore that, you know, everything they do is, they, it's not, it's not U.S. money. It's not no, money. No, that no, not, no currency at all. It's just their own no, specific. It's their own specific thing with these coins. Chuck E. Cheese so, coins. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, tokens. It's like <laughs> tokens. Um, you know, and so having that coin press to make more, I'm sure is a big deal. And maybe it's the only one they have available. So if they don't have that, so it's this whole thing where now Cormac is like, I'm going to hunt down and find Frankie and maybe who I know could help me find Frankie would be his brother, Winston. What he doesn't realize is that Winston and Frankie have been for 
probably over a decade, if not more, they have been, you know, strange, basically. They have yeah. not kept in touch. So, yeah, I love that we have Winston. We meet him in, in London, and he's been this businessman, and he's doing very well for himself, and he's very wealthy. And he is basically kidnapped and brought over to New York to basically be like, you got to go find your brother, um, you know, and he's now basically put in a situation where it's like, all right, I guess I got to get to work. And, you know, again, in this world, there are assassins and there are police who are looking after for stuff. Um, we have this whole other plot line with, uh, this brother sister duo who run kind of a broken down, um, you know, boxing uh, academy basically. Um, and there's a whole history with their dad uh, and his allegiance to the high table, which they had not known about. Um, so I love that there was a lot of elements of like, you know, usually with John Wick films, we kind of know who our main bad guy is. What's the point? And then, you know, there's a bunch of assassins chasing down John and one by one, he kills a bunch of people. In this, there was a lot more characters to play with. Obviously, Winston is our main lead, but we have a lot of different arcs going on, and I thought that was smart to kind of fill it out because even though Winston definitely is someone who I think probably knows how to fight and how to use weapons, um, I think his greatest weapon is his mind and his his way to talk to people. Um, you know, he's not John Wick. He is someone that knows how to manipulate and use his mind so i thought it was smart that they weren't going to be like this is not going to be winston going off and killing you know 800 people and by the end he runs the continental well and and, and they kind of like the only thing that one of the main lines annoyed me when they're trying to do a call back which they call back a call forward i guess you call it because this is in the past it was like i need guns lots of guns like that was kind of like okay we don't need that so that was kind of like the cheesiest part of it but no, I agree. And I also like the fact that you've got the New York kind of detectives and the cops. So you see the assassin world from that angle where we kind of got that tease in the John Wick films where he had this one like local police officer. You're working again, John? Like, so they kind of like in this world, the assassins, people know about them. So they kind of they're like, no, no, don't go to the continental. Like the fact that she goes in and she tries to pay and they're like, you you don't belong here. And then they stayed here before. And yeah. Like, they steal, and she steals this coin out of this corpse. And then she's like, oh, Okay, cool. So it is, I like that they were kind of diving into, because I want to know, I want to know, like, you know, we talk about uh, games and, and lore, like the Assassin's Creed, where that's kind of like a hidden kind of world of assassins, where in this one, it's kind of almost known, but not known. So there's a lot of mystery on both sides. So I like seeing the world of the assassin world of John Wick in like different lenses, which I thought was really smart. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought it was smart too, because then it's like, okay, even though this is a different era, we still know this place has the power. Like, you don't touch it. Um, but the whole point is that Cormac is definitely someone that is uh, abusive and, and running it in the wrong direction. I mean, we have a whole scene where obviously this this the whole show becomes kind of like a revenge mission, if you will, because um, they do take Frankie out. Frankie gets assassinated and we know that, okay, the whole point now is when Winston, who really I think at this point prior to trying to find his brother was like I'll just try to see what I can do but I, then I want to get out of here I don't want to be part of this now it's a revenge mission now he's like I'm pissed and I'm gonna do whatever it takes to kill that man and we start seeing that all this this team they assemble of different assassins or you know people that have kind of 
have attachments to this world. They all have reasons to combine it to to take down Cormac and the people that are currently in the Continental. But they have to, along the way, they have these moments where even these team members are against each other because they don't trust each other. Um, and I love, too, we get a little connection to the Bowery. I mean, obviously, we love Lawrence Fishburne as the Bowery King in the John Wick films. But, you know, this is the 70s. We have a, a Bowery Queen right now. And we kind of learn about that whole world, how that's like a different segment. Like they are assassins themselves, but they don't really belong to the Continental. That's a whole different kingdom. But Winston having to start to make that connection now of, look, we have mutual interests and we should be fighting together and not against each other. A great thing because, of course, later in the John Wick films, even though there's a little bit of a danger there, the Bowery becomes a great ally for Winston when the high table comes calling and other things. We also have the high table in here. We have the adjudicator with this mask on, which, I mean, the whole time I was watching the show, I'm going, they better show her mouth by the end, which they do. They do. Um, but she has this mask on clearly. And there's a point where she, she joins Mel Gibson to like eat like a, he's eating dinner and she's like, wow, you're eating. And he's eating like a freaking buffet to himself. And she takes her mask off to eat some, but you don't see her face, but you just see Mel Gibson's reaction to I was like, Oof. I'm like, oh, something must have happened to her. Um, Mel Gibson actually was great in this. He plays like the true, just like iconic 70s douchebag bad guy. I mean, he is mean. He is tough. He is brutal. He kills this poor cellist at one point with a golf club in a very brutally way. Um, but you could tell he's very, he, I think at first would have played by the rules, but then when the game starts flipping the way he doesn't want it, he starts breaking all the continental conduct rules. And I think with Sharon, we'd really have this whole kind of, he, he, he's always kind of done his job because that's his duty. But why would you want to stay doing your job? Would you be loyal to someone that is breaking all the rules and it's clearly a, a little cray cray. And so I also love how slowly Winston and Shrone form this kind of bond um, because clearly in the John Wick films, they are, you know, as close to brothers as they can be. Um, but I mean, being this is a John Wick world, we still have to have some fun, like characters that can do some crazy stuff. Um, I love, we have Cormac has <laughs> the twins. We have these two fighters that are twins and one of the guy, the guy looks like Farquaad. Basically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I'm saying, I was like, but I love their outfits. Like they kind of remind me of the Matrix a little bit. Like they have long black leather trench coat looking things, and <clears throat> they are fantastic. They fight <laughs> so well, and they're just like kind of fun to watch. Um, that, that's that's a uh, Mark Musashi and Marina Mazeppa play the twins, known as Hansel and Gretel, which I thought was hilarious. Um, I love. We have Ray McKinnon, who has been in so many things. This Gene who he is, he's like a botanist and like he has this whole like other life, but then they're like, yeah, we want your marksman skills because he's really good with like a long rifle. And there's this whole setup where like he pretends to like, oh, there's rats in your apartment, lady. Yeah. And he's actually using it so he can be on the high ground, but then she comes <laughs> home early and he yeah, and starts off like this. He's like, ties her up, but like, like he's a little so sweet relationship. Yeah, exactly. He's <laughs> like, by the way, I noticed your plants are a little over wet. He's like, you know, if it's not wet enough or too wet, that also could damage the, oh, one second. And he turns and he <laughs> shoots another guy from the window. Oh, God, it's so good. Such yeah. great humor. Uh, but yeah, overall, I thought just a really 
great first step to branching off in this universe. Um, I, I would like, I know that they're, they've been talking about doing the the sparrows or the ballerinas uh, with Angelica Houston's kind of character. Um, so where I know that they've talked that Keanu Reeves will be kind of, it's almost like a, it's before he has died. And I do air quotes because we don't know. They've been talking about after this last one, uh, spoiler alert if you haven't watched it yet. Um, but if you're watching this, you probably watched John Wick already. But um, there's so much they can do with this universe. And I would love to see even maybe an old, even older Winston Scott, you know, um, you know, when he first met, meets maybe in a younger John. Um, I think that would even be really cool to do. But who knows? I mean, yeah, Colin Woodle, I thought was was great as Winston. He um, really handled the role well. And again, he has the he looks like that charming kind of aristocrat you want as Winston. But he he knows how to brawl. He knows how to fight. And the way that the show leaves off, I mean, he's now running the Continental um, and he's he's really made his statement. He's made his mark of how he's going to do business. So they could continue this. They could continue into the 80s and 90s. I guess technically John would probably come in, you know, within the 80s, maybe 90s. I mean, I guess it, it kind of depends on how they want to do it. But I think that would be smart. Um, or they could even, even do different time errors. I mean, we could also do a whole show on like how the beginning of the assassins came to be. The yeah, high the table. high table. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's so much there because even like in the movies when they went to like the desert, you know, John went to the desert to talk to like the the leader of the high table. It was like, how did this all come to be? You know, there's still a lot of lore they can play with. But for this series, I mean, I thought the the length was all great. Character development was great. The setting was fun. And they really hold up the bargain with the action, especially the third episode. There's so many people to fight and, and kill. And so you get a lot of montage of like great epic fights and different camera angles and just all that fun. But then like the battle with the twins, um, you know, Frankie, his his wife, Yen, is a fantastic fighter. So there's some great stuff with that. Um, and then, of course, how... How it all plays off with Cormac and his kind of demise uh, was fantastic. And I love the very last scene that Winston kind of his moment with the high table was like, I was like, oh, here we go. But then the, the show ends. You're like, oh, now I need the next season or I need yeah. like, the next. So we'll see. But overall, for me, I had a blast with this. I thought it was fun and the action's great and I love the lore. So I hope it continues. Uh, and the music, like you said, the soundtrack was so awesome. They picked so many great songs and just the right moments to play them. So I'm going to give the Continental from the world of John Wick. I'm going to give it a solid 8.5 out of 10. You know, what? I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. I just really liked it for all the reasons and more. So you can check out the Continental from the world of John Wick on Peacock and internationally on Amazon Prime for all those international listeners. Um, and check that out now. And that was this edition of Potential Picks. Thanks for listening to The Potential Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Potential Podcast or on Twitter at The Potential Pod. Or you can email us. Send us your positive feedback and thoughts, suggestions, and more through our email, thepotentialpodcast at yahoo.com. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. And I'm your host, Taylor Sokol. Stay tuned for more episodes on pop culture, entertainment, and nerdum. And remember, know, know your, your potential. potential.